In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Well, greetings on this momentous day, St. Patrick's Day. Um, surprise there's not all kinds of green out there. This is one of those few days we get as the church where actually most of, well, at least our culture here in this country celebrates St. Patrick's Day. Uh, maybe it might be with green beer and smelly cabbage stuff, but still, it isn't Patrick's Day and it's not Green Day, it is St. Patrick's Day. So whether they know it or not, they are honoring the Enlightener of Ireland along with us. Well, it's also the first Sunday of Lent. It's the day, uh, this, this particular Sunday every year, it's the it's known as the Sunday of Orthodoxy. Uh, it's also got another name, which I actually prefer. It's the triumph of orthodoxy, because it was, or it is the commemoration, I should say, of the triumph of something that's near and dear to all of us. And if you look around this room, you do see the beauty of the icons. Lots of green in them, by the way. But you do see the beauty of these icons that add to what we do here in our worship. And we celebrate the victory today over iconoclasm and the return of the veneration of the icons. And they do add beauty, there's no question about that, but we also, they, we call them windows to heaven. And they do show us the reality behind these. We don't worship them, we venerate them, and we celebrate that today on the triumph of orthodoxy. Well, it's also the first week of Lent completed. You know, I feel kind of like you, know, you need to stamp the side of, I don't know, your juice glass or something. And um, you completed one week. And, you know, maybe I should hold off and say, you know, how did you do with this? Did, did, did you keep this? I just folded, it was in my pocket. <clears throat> Can't say I looked at it every day. But, you know, and I know it's not necessarily the pop, proper way to think about it is in that, you know, it's not, all right, I made it through the first week, I completed it, it's done, it was hard. But, you know, it's, it's for me anyway, it's, it's much easier for me to think about that. But it is hard, and so it is an accomplishment to be able to get to this first week. But it shows what we need to do for the next five or six weeks, if you want to include Holy Week in there as well. But it's hard, and by, by Wednesday, I, know I was told Father Nicholas as we were getting ready for the pre-sanctify, I said, man, I, I just, I'm feeling muscles I haven't felt for a long time. And, you know, we had cannons, and we had prayers, and we, I, one of these days, I'm going to go down for prostration, and I'm not going to get up. I'm just going to lay there for a while. But, you know, it reminded me, actually, of, of many, many years ago in high school and college when I was playing football, and, you know, we'd... You go to two-a-days and uh, pretty eager the first few, few practices, but by about that third morning, you know, you wake up and you just, everything hurts. And, you know, physically, it takes its toll. And I think what happens is that, you know, over the summer, even though you, you know, you do things, you would run, you'd lift weights, but you kind of get fat and you kind of get lazy. And now all of a sudden, you're using those muscles you haven't used for a long time. And it struck me, the spiritually, it's the same. We do tend to get spiritually fat and lazy. And we 
then get to this season of Lent where suddenly, okay, we're going to go ahead and we're going to start fasting seriously at this point. And we're going to pray a lot. We're going to go to services a lot. And those spiritual muscles begin to ache as well. You know, the scriptures certainly talks about the analogy of uh, using, you know, physical uh, things, races, running the races, and winning wreaths. And so it, just as we physically suffer as we get into shape, we, physically, we spiritually suffer as well. And we need to use Lent as our getting back into shape, if you will, spiritually. You know, we, at least I typically, uh, as I see Lent approaching, as we're those uh, Sundays coming up to, to uh, Forgiveness Sunday, and I start thinking, oh boy. And it's not the services, it's, it's the fasting. And that's what tends to get me uh, most worried about things. But, you know, I saw uh, last Sunday night in Forgiveness Vespers, we heard uh, in the service, let us all hasten to the subjugation of the flesh by abstinence. As we approach the divine battlefield, the battlefield of blameless fasting. So rather than run away, we're supposed to hasten to that fasting. And then a little later in the service, we said, let us begin the season of fasting with rejoicing giving ourselves to spiritual strife, purifying soul and body, fasting from passions as we fast from foods. So we need to hasten to the fast, and we need to rejoice in it, not run from it, not loathe it, not try to get away from it. I had a conversation with one of my brothers uh, this week. He said, Gary, he says, there's this hamburger at Fab Burger. He said, it's, it is great, and it's not a not one thing of beef in it, and uh, uh, we joked, you know, as we, we just try to figure out a way around all this fasting stuff, you know, and so I don't, we don't have a fat burger in town, do we? <laughs> oh, well. But anyway, so we're going to use Lent as our spiritual two-a-days, if you will, to get us back into shape. And as we continue, then, these next weeks on our Lenten journey, I think in today's gospel lesson, we do find a model for us that we can follow. And that model is Nathaniel. Often he's called Bartholomew. In fact, he's, you see him, he's on the bottom left in the middle. That's Nathaniel, Bartholomew, one of the 12. Pretty interesting guy. Uh, my patron, Philip, they were friends. Um, you know, not too many people are crucified twice, but Nathaniel was. Um, he and Philip, uh, they ran afoul of some pagans, and um, so they were crucified. Nathaniel was upside down, and, and an earthquake came and killed the judge that convicted them and uh, many of the pagans who had uh, crucified him. So the others ran out real quick to get him, figuring we better get these guys off those crosses. And uh, it's too late for Philip, but Nathaniel was still alive, and so he, uh, he survived. Only some years later to be crucified again. That time... Uh, he did die. But in the lesson from St. John today, Jesus is at the beginning of the stages of gathering the twelve, gathering his disciples. He got a few from John the Baptist. John pointed to him and said, the Lamb of God, behold, the Lamb of God. And so some of his followers followed with Jesus. Now Jesus went and found my guy. He found St. Philip, the apostle. 
And he said to him, follow me. And so Philip followed him. It's that simple. Um, probably uh, something that, well, I don't know if it just was that easy, but, you know, I look at that and I say, okay, I, I can live with that. Just He was convinced that this was the one that they were waiting for. He didn't ask questions, but he decided to go get his friend, Nathaniel. Now, I don't know if he was just so overcome with joy that he had found the promised one, or he wanted to make sure if he was making a mistake, he wanted somebody with him to help him out. But he went and found Nathaniel. And Nathaniel, uh, as you know, uh, when Philip said, you need to come and we found him. That's what he said. We found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Philip is convinced. He goes to his good friend Nathaniel. And I'm sure they had talked about this many, many times. And Nathaniel jumped up and said, let's go. No, Nathaniel gets up and says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, I really believe that Nathaniel, it was an honest question. I don't think he was trying to be sarcastic. Uh, Nazareth was not a very big town. And I mean, you know, okay, the son of a carpenter from a very small town, not that very many people. It was a nothing town, up to that point anyway. So he just wants to know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But he gets up. And he goes with Philip. And that's the first thing that we need to look at Nathaniel for as we model. And actually, it was the first thing on this purple sheet as well, by the way. Nathaniel did not judge. He didn't just say, yeah, sure, a guy from Nazareth, a carpenter's son, who is from a know-nothing town, and he's, he's the one that Moses and the prophets have foretold. No. Nathaniel didn't judge. He wanted to know if truly it was from Nazareth and anything good could come, but, you know, he asked the question. It's okay to ask a question. Asking questions isn't judging. Asking questions is trying to find out some information. In fact, we should feel free to ask questions, but judging is something different. Nathaniel did not judge, but he didn't just sit there and ask Philip a bunch of questions, and tell Philip, go, and then let me know what you find out. He got up. Now, you know, it would have been really easy to be cynical because, you know, in in my lifetime, um, I've kind of lost track of how many times the Lord was supposed to come back in my lifetime. And I have to assume that in Nathaniel's lifetime, in the hundreds of years since Moses and the prophets, that... Many pretenders had come out and said, I'm the one of whom they speak. But Nathaniel didn't judge that. He got up and he went and looked. And that's the second, the second thing we need to model from. He didn't just sit there and think about it. He got up and went. In other words, you know, he wasn't lazy about it. He didn't tell Philip to go do it and come back. He got up himself and went to look. As he goes along and Jesus sees him coming, Jesus says one of his very oft-quoted lines, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. 
Some translations say, in whom is no deceit. And Nathaniel says to Jesus, well, how do you know me? Now you might say, we've got him in pride. We've got Nathaniel in pride. That, okay, I don't, I don't have any guile. I am special. But no, it's about the same as if the Lord had said, you're tall. Now, how'd you know I was tall? I mean, seriously, there was no guile in this man. He was truly just asking the question. And I think Jesus said what he said in order to let Nathaniel know that I know who you are. I know who you are. But Jesus then goes along and he says, after Nathaniel asked him how he knows me, he says, when you were under the fig tree, before Philip called you, I saw you. Now, I don't know what happened under that fig tree, but I have to assume it was a pretty big deal to Nathaniel. <clears throat> I think he must have been thinking about the Lord, the Messiah, the promised one. He must have been thinking about it, and I think he was probably praying. And it was, whatever it was, it was something that was enough of an impact when the Lord said, I saw you under the fig tree that Nathaniel immediately says to him that you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. And that's the third thing that we need to model after Nathaniel, is acknowledging that the Lord is the son of God, the king of Israel. Now it isn't just that we have to fast, or just that we have to do lots of prayers and prostrations. No. We get a promise as well, and it's the promise that Nathaniel had as well. After the Lord says to Nathaniel, basically says, you know, if you thought that was something, I got something even more for you. You're going to see the heaven opened, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now that promise wasn't just for Nathaniel. That promise is for us as well. We too will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In fact, we're not just going to see it, but we will at some point be a part of it as well. But first, we have our Lenten journey to complete. As we head toward Pascha, it's a little early to be talking about Pascha, but that too is the reward, what we're working toward as well. So Nathaniel, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile, is a model for us all the time, but certainly right now during Lent. Model Nathaniel, and don't judge. If he had judged, he'd have missed out on being with the Lord. Don't judge. Model Nathaniel, and don't be lazy. Again, if he had just sat there and said, well, Philip, you go check it out and let me know. He'd have missed out on the Lord. And it strikes me, too, that it's, I don't think it's a um, mistake or just happenstance that the first thing we pray for in the prayer of St. Ephraim to be taken from us is the spirit of laziness. And model Nathaniel, don't be lazy. Model Nathaniel and acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, the King of Israel. He's the one who is the ladder upon which these angels of God are ascending and descending. The one 
who gives us the reward for which we are striving at this point. Let's pray that God will richly bless us for the remainder of this Lent and actually at all times, and that we strive for his promise and we do gain his reward. And now may he who saw Nathaniel under the fig tree and sees us at all times as well, have mercy upon all of us and save us now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen.